Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In the cold winter of 1989, a Sabat pack who has suffered an immeasurable loss is given an ultimatum. Go to the Twin Cities of Minnesota, investigate why a deeply embedded pack has stopped reporting back, or meet their final death. This is Vampire the Masquerade, Twin Cities by Night, Sorrow, a tale of loss and regret that follows the Sabat pack known as the Nothing. Join us with Becca playing Linda, a Milkavian anti-tribute, Craig playing Jake, a pander, Jordan playing Abigail, a Ravenous anti-tribute, Monica playing Jenny, a Shimizi, and Slavic playing Charlie, a Bruja anti-tribute, and Chris as the storyteller. If you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Twitter, at twin underscore cities underscore btm or on facebook and discord as twin cities by night we hope you enjoy it's a hot new york evening in the summer of 1987 it's really humid this summer this was actually in the throes of new york city when it was known for being a cesspool of violence and corruption at the time this was before the big revival that everyone had came to know later on in new york this is when people were careful not to go out at night to certain areas but for whatever reason in the middle of this madness as new york city there are these little hotbeds of nightclubs it was like the since the 70s where people would go and expose themselves to the city and risk their well-being for whatever reason to go out and to escape the reality that surrounded them. Now, it could be that they needed a break. It could be that they were with friends. But for whatever reason, four of you are in line at this nightclub called the Absolution. You see this nightclub is a brick building. It looks from the outside. That's nothing fancy. It's one story. Maybe at one point in New York's rugged history, it may have served as a storefront or a business front. But somehow in this day and age the insides of it were ripped apart and became a gothic nightclub did that mean that only people who followed the gothic style of dress and music would go there no it just meant that this was a club that would play that type of music those types would go there but also normal people who would go there who wanted to try some of the different variety of entertainment that was in new york city at that time on the front of this red brick building is a neon sign that says absolution but the a and b flickers it's a red neon and it flickers sometimes to where it looks like it says solution on there now that's not maybe it's not planned maybe it's because of the sign is not well taken care of maybe because of the bass music that is inside that club that seems to shake the mortar between these bricks you can hear it as you are out the four of you in line four of you abigail linda charlie and jenny in line to get in this club with throws of other people who are there. You can smell the hot trash that is coming with the breeze through the alleyway. You can see water that is running down the gutters that carries trash with it and carries God knows what murkiness that may have been from a rain that broke through the clouds earlier that week still, or maybe from a fire hydrant that was cracked open by kids to relieve themselves of the heat. Now, before we continue, I want to ask each and one of you, Abigail, Linda, Charlie, and Jenny, what brought you to this club? So Abigail, what brought you to this club in 1987 wanting to explore the Gothic culture? So Abigail, well, I was, was in uni. University is tough. Sometimes you need a break. 
And what better way to break away from studying than going out with a couple of friends? So she's in line with a bunch of her friends. This is the first night of their vacation in New York. New York is a city that's relatively close, but still far away enough that they don't know it yet. And they heard about this club over there. It's, yeah, it, it goes round, like try out this new one. And yeah, so now they are in line. So you're standing there with two of your friends as you, what, how you dressed when you go out to clubs like this? Cause as we said earlier in the creation session, you have an appearance of four. Is it something that you like to flaunt when you go out or is it something more that is natural to itself that you really don't feel like you have to build up when you go to nightclubs like this? Do you seek attention with it when you go out? Oh yeah, definitely. She is dressed up in a way that is like, she's dressed in black not Victorian or anything, not Victorian Gothic, but she is definitely full dressed up as a Gothic at the moment. She normally dresses that, like she, I think you can see her being a Gothic normally, but not as extreme as currently. So her makeup is a bit more heavy. Her her clothing is a bit more tight, all that kind of stuff. Now, was this something that she discovered in university and college or is this something that she was like in high school that she kind of like carried on through with her through college i think it's something she discovered in university when she felt like she was kind of settling down and finally finding herself a little bit okay so this was something like a new discovery that she had here did it make her stand out from her peers who she went to school with or was it something that they accepted or i um, i think because abigail is somebody who doesn't who didn't settle as much before like maybe she had a couple friends but they didn't understand this whole change that came with university and all of a sudden she had different friends and they were more into the scene so she started hanging out with them they were just pretty chill people and that's how she got into the gothic scene and one final question is she like if she was in line right now would other people hear her conversations is she trying to be like kind of like that louder voice in line that you know you always kind of hear when you're in line to go somewhere like, ah, da, 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 and they kind of seem to be drawing attention to themselves is she like that or is she not like that yeah yes yeah, she definitely is she is a bit over shouting herself basically so she's a bit louder than she has to be hmm. Yeah, just getting that excitement in her voice of actually going here, of actually being on this vacation trip that she's been looking forward to. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Awesome. Linda, you are standing in line to get in this club. What brings you to coming to this nightclub? Linda is here with her friend, Sarah. Sarah is there to encourage her to get out, um, do something different. Linda has actually um, is currently going through a divorce and it's been completely bumming her out. And her main focus has always been on her profession. And so that's a lot of what let the, the marriage thing slide quite a bit. And so, yeah, Sarah's just there to try to cheer her up going to a goth club, but she's, Sarah's also kind of a terrible friend because she's really there to just hook up with guys. So you're doing that uncomfortable, I mean, I like post breakup slash divorce where you had that one friend who's just kind of known to go out and have fun is trying to force you into that being their, their wingman and like, oh, all you need to do to get over your sadness right now is go find someone else because that's going to help you in the morning when you wake up, <laughs> you know, afterwards. So you're in that awkward position, huh? Mm-hmm, pretty much. And Linda is dressed appropriately, probably borrowing some of Sarah's clothes to the scene, but she looks very uncomfortable 
wearing these things. She's more used to professional outfits and feeling very comfortable in that. Whereas right now she's maybe wearing a skirt that's too short for her. And, you know, these things that are just too tight. Her hair's done even bigger and more ridiculous. And Sarah keeps trying to take her glasses away. She's like, oh, you have such a pretty face. Just take these off. She's like, no, I can't see without them. So she's always having to guard her glasses with Sarah around. And while you're standing there with Sarah, you know, she's kind of just like, these gothic men, they know how to treat their women so well. They like worship you. It is so insane. I mean, they're a little weird, but they worship you and they do poetry and they give you flowers. I had this guy like lay all these rose petals on my bed. It was so amazing. And as she's talking, you just hear... So there I was, and you look and you see uh, Abigail like further in the line. You see this like attractive woman, and you see all these like guys in line looking at her. That she's kind of just like telling the story about like the last time she was at a club like this. Charlie, you, what brings you to a club like this? Matter of fact, I heard these goths have cheap drugs. So it's your addiction that's bringing you here, like like the the knowing that this is a culture that kind of like engulfs itself in hedonistic type of behaviors right like i mean they kind of have a free love sleep with whom you will there's nothing taboo with that and with the drug culture and just like you say the drugs but does anything even though it may be childish and made up and maybe like oh death and life is so glum and maybe that half them are entitled rich kids who are just pretending to be this way to be different does that draw you into this environment too or is it just strictly the drugs i mean i feel like he wouldn't be in this environment normally but now that he is, he's just like, yeah, I can sort of understand that. But also he's like, most of you are fucking posers and I fucking bash your face. And Is this the first time you've you've gone to this nightclub or is this have you? Oh, yeah, it's definitely say it's the first time. First time. So you are standing in a line there. What are you what are you wearing right now? The other two have explained they kind of like goth themselves up. Did, did Charlie do that? Or is Charlie dressed like he's normally dressed or no way in hell? Yeah, he's dressed pretty normally i'd say ripped jeans they're ripped not because uh of fashion but because he's poor and i'd say like a bit dirty shirt like a t-shirt or a a button-up shirt yeah probably i'd say button-up like a dirty button-up shirt okay you see this figure that's kind of like two people in front of you she's shorter and she has like this this like demi moore type cut hair like short black hair and she's like wearing this this black leather skirt with like this white lace top and she just looks super attractive like full of life and you see next to her is this awkward like not too awkward like you're looking at her and you're like mm, okay but she like you could t- keeps trying to hide her glasses as her as this short attractive like pixie kind of girl keeps trying to take the lady's glasses and you hear like murmuring in front and you see this figure that you're kind of looking above and you see her like oh my god like talking about like different things about the scene as you're standing there in line you can hear the doom, 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 doom. and you know within that music you're probably going to be fu- able to find like rich kids with drugs who are probably willing to give them away just for like to look cool or to gain like some kind of favor and especially with you probably have found with you and these different subcultures in the city with you being kind of older and having experience with drugs that these younger sub people in these different subcultures like look up to you in a weird way even though most people of your generation probably look down on you you find you know you find that these younger kids are like oh this man knows heroin or this man knows this or that and you see that you kind of i don't want to like cheapen it by saying like the matthew mcconaughey dazed and confused kind of vibe but you kind of have this like vibe of like a a knowledge you've walked through these shoes and you're obviously fine because you're old and, and you're still alive and you're partying you know to them that's how they view it so jenny what brings you to this nightclub the absolution 
on this night? Jenny is on the same boat as Charlie. Jenny, you know, living in the 80s, used to the Fenfen method, the Fenfen diet. And around this time period is when people are starting to do research and finding out that, hey, you're really not going to lose as much weight as you think you are. And it's all going to come back once you stop taking the pills. So she's at a goth club in particular because being an Asian American in this time period isn't um, very popular. So what a great place to go other than what the other people who are considered outcasts and are a little bit more considerate. Um, however, she's looking to score either other anoretic pills or maybe even take a step up to cocaine so she can do more around the house and still manage to keep her weight down. She's standing in line and she definitely sticks out like a sore thumb. We're talking about the classic mom jeans, maybe a long sleeve shirt. And on top of that, one of those lined navy and teal windbreakers. So she's got her hair pulled up because unfortunately she doesn't have the hair type that she can tease out and get a nice look out of. So she's a younger, you know, she's a woman in her late 20s. So she's already a little too old to be hitting the club. She's dressed like a mom and she's just there to score some drugs. Just curious, you said the fen-fen diet. Can you expand on that? I've never heard that term before. What 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 is meant by that? The, the fen-fen diet, it's a, a drug called, if I'm not mistaken, fenfluramine, phenetermine, I think. And it was really big in the 70s and 80s. And it's a weight loss pill that essentially takes your hunger cravings away. But in the, I want to say, late 80s or early 90s, they started doing research on the drug showing that the weight that you did lose was very unhealthy. The drug led to hypertension, heart problems, things like that. And eventually it was taken off the market because a lot of people ended up dying over it. Jesus. Now, what's her height weight right now? Like how malnourished does she look at the, at this stage right now? She's 5'4", and right about now, I'd say she's about 116 pounds and looking to lose even more. She still feels very fat. So you see this sketch figure standing in front of you who you know also doesn't kind of fit in. And I'm going to even say, Charlie, with you always being on guard and kind of looking around, especially, I don't know if you're scoring for a fix right now, if you're kind of like feeling that you need to score and you feel a little antsy while you're in line, that you look and you catch figure of this Asian lady who's standing there. And there's a moment of connection between you two where your eyes kind of like connect and you have this like recognition. Now, I'm not going to say like, you know, it's like drug users intuition and you guys know each other's drug users, but there's a moment where you both see each other and you realize that you are not, you are, have the same purpose and goal to get within those doors right now that you're in line for, but your goal and purpose is different than everyone else that's in this line. And you recognize that and you see each other for a moment. Are any words exchanged at this moment? You want a cigarette? You got a light? Sure. Yeah, I'll take one. So what are you doing here? You don't seem like the usuals. Uh, Jenny's going to kind of look at him up and down. I think you and I are uh, looking for the same thing. I'm here to see Tweak. Are you one of his customers? Well, I am now. He's got good stuff in the back. If you need me to lead you, I know the way. Wonderful. I love that you guys just created MP- this album. I love that you guys are like Tweak. Fucking cool. Tweak's NPC now. Hell yeah. Let's go with this, dude. I like that a lot. You are in line and slowly it makes its way forward. And each of you pay a $5 cover charge when you get there, which is rather cheap for a nightclub at this time. And you get stamped one of those neon signs. And when you look down, you see it's like this Gothic A 
standing for absolution and it's like you know stamped on your hand like by black light so they can make sure that if you leave and come back in that you already paid the cover charge jake you are standing behind the bar of this nightclub and you are working with this guy you don't even know his name he is someone who looks to maybe be about your age there but he looks to be more part of this culture of this club than you are meaning he has like these like tight le- black leather pants on and he has like these black boots underneath and he has like this white loose like flamboyant like ruffled shirt that looks like it should have been worn by like a 19th century noble in france rather than some 22 year old kid in the 80s in new york city he has like black eyeliner on and he kind of has his hair cut shorter in the front like blonde spiked out but it's more longer in the back there you really i mean i don't know if you choose not to talk to him because of like a dislike or just like he's newer but you guys are kind of busy right now because as you look forward at this vast ocean of a dance floor in front of you you see that there are people dancing and you see that around this dance floor in a u uh, u shape are booths and tables and straight ahead of you past the dance floor past some booths and tables you see a door where people are streaming in and you realize on this saturday night like okay you're gonna make some good tips you know that with your wit and your charm even with these kids who a lot of them are probably underage because you highly are doubtful that the person who checks ids there is really being really scrutinous when he's checking their IDs, you know, you're going to make some good tips because these kids are happy that they're just out and able to drink without their parents' supervision. You know, to your left is a DJ booth where there's some figure that you can't really see there, but you know, it's some twerp who's playing like bands like Sisters of Mercy or The Cure or Christian Death. These names that you're slowly starting to pick up from just having conversations and you know, from your interactions, if you mention these names and feign that you have some kind of interest about the music, they'll tip you pretty well. How do you feel about working in a club like this, knowing that this is kind of a different vibe than what you're used to? I I mean, it's it's a job to him. I mean, Jake is putting in the minimal effort to look like he belongs in the scene. Like he's wearing like black jeans and like a black and white uh, checkered flannel shirt, but uh, to kind of like make it look like he is trying a little bit he put like a black vest over it and like broken pocket watch that he found like at a pawn shop or something is in there so he's he's doing the the bare minimum um he doesn't really understand the music he doesn't really understand the customers but he found that if he says oh that that look is very robert smith enough times a night to enough people that it, it really it really pays dividends he knows that um the people checking ids um don't do a great job and he especially like especially with the younger ones will have a heavy hand with the first um drink or two just to kind of show yeah no i'm your buddy and that seems to you know get him more tips um if he's busy he's probably not paying much attention to the other guy but uh he's newer i i mean he looks like jake probably thinks he's trying way too hard yeah, and you definitely get that vibe from him too. But like you said, it's so busy in the moment. Yeah, you have like people lining up for drinks at the bar. You're trying to like herd them to get them drinks. And so you, and there's no waitresses here. So it's very, it's just you and this guy here who are doing it. And the owner never shows up at night. He, you know, it's usually you who close out, you know, and who closes everything and cleans up everything once it's done. Right. I, I probably um, make him like bust glasses and like make sure that I attend to the new customer because like, they, they tip the person who gave him the drink, not the person who took their glass away. So I, I make sure to kind of do that because like he's still new. He's learning until he says something. I need all the cash I can get. I got a family to support. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. So when you four who are in line go through these doors, 
the door and you have this guy, he like checks your ID. And it's funny because when you go through the first door, there's like this little pathway and to the right is a guy standing there and he's the one who's checking the ID. So you got to like hand it over this little counter and he looks at the ID, he stamps your hand. You give him five bucks and he just like lets you go. Then you go through another door. It's like a padded door and you open it up and you see before you this nightclub and you see like where you can walk left or right and you can go around, like I said, in a, U, in a U shape where there's tables and booths that are along the edge. And then you see straight ahead past the dance floor is the bar. But you notice to get on the dance floor, you have to take like three steps down. And so the dance floor is like lower than everything else. So people at the bar can look down and see their friends dancing or people at the table can look down. And it's about like, I say, once you get to the dance floor, it's about like six feet from like the, the level of the floor to where people can look down and, and dance. As you guys walk in there, you smell a wide variety of smells. You smell cloves, like a really thick smell of cloves, which is something that like, especially to Jenny and Charlie and even Linda is a smell that is very strong and pungent, but where Abigail and Jake, you guys are kind of more used to it. Jake, especially, you probably don't even smell it anymore. You smell cigarette smoke. You see there's this haze that almost like rises up to the ceiling and the lights that pierce it, that go onto the dance floor, you can see that it looks even kind of more spookier as like this fog of cloves and nicotine smoke is lingering in the air. And you see that it's about three-fourths packed, this place. And there's kids, you know, when I say kids, like later teenagers, young adults who are dancing about. Now, as the night goes on, you guys kind of find your pathway into this mass. Charlie and Jenny, you find Tweak. Tweak gives you the drugs that you need. You might even share the drugs with each other as you wait, listening to this gothic 22-year-old stories about how he's going to move from New York City. And New York City was so, was so stuck in the 70s. I want to go to LA. And he just talks endlessly while you sit there and wait for these drugs, knowing that you will be his companion for a little bit while he dangles the hope of cocaine and pills in front of your eyes. But throughout the evening, you all kind of notice a couple individuals. Abigail, you're sitting there with your friends and you see there's this figure who seems to be watching you from the table and you catch eyes with him for a moment. There's a, there's a second where you almost dismiss it because you're so used to glances and stares from the opposite sex, or even sometimes from the same sex, depending on where you're at. And you see that this figure, he's sitting on a booth and he's by himself. He looks to be maybe like 17 or 18. He's Hispanic, but he has like this long black hair that goes down the back of his shoulders. He has this gray suit jacket on, but no shirt underneath. You can even see like his chest has no chest hair. And he has like a black rosary and he has a couple ornaments that look like they would fit in at this place. And he's just staring at you at this whole time. And there's this uncomfortable moment because you know there's almost like a game with these people who stare at you. They hope to get your attention. It's like this game of chess. Like, oh, if I, maybe I look at her a little bit. Oh, she looks at me. I'm going to look away. But you know, a lot of people, when they look at you and you look at them, they stare intently, hoping you keep looking. But they'll usually you turn around and walk away and you know that they're left defeated. But you find when you look at this person that there's this game where you look, let your look linger a little bit longer. And then you look away and you talk to your friends. And then you turn around and look and you see he's still there looking at you and he kind of smirks. And, but you looked at him a second time. This is not something that you normally do for people. He got two looks from you. Not just one and dismissive, but he got two looks. And then there's a third time when you go look and he's not there anymore. And a part of you kind of yearns a little bit, like wondering where he's at. Jake, you're working the bar and you see this delicate figure trying to make her way through the mass of people. And she finally gets up 
to the mass. You kind of see like there's people like are kind of shoving her into the bar a little bit. She looks to be about 17 or 18 years old and she is a Hispanic girl and she has like these curly, like, you know, how the girls are all doing it now with the big power hair and it's all curly. She has like this bright red lipstick on, like bright, bright red and her teeth are really white, but you notice her skin, it seems a little pale. Like she's probably putting on that powder that some of these girls put on to look differently. And you see, she has like these really piercing strong eyes when she stares at you and you see there's a moment she's like tries like she tries to do a drink like order a drink and people are bumping into her for a second and finally she see like she she looks at you and she's like can i can i can can i get a and she lifts off some popular drink at the time that these kids order and there's a moment where you're getting this drink for her and you see this figure next to her kind of shove her aside and he's this kind of a burly figure he has like a thick black beard and he has a ramones t-shirt on underneath and he has like this blue jean jacket over it and you see him just like look at her and he just like dismisses her and he's like hey hey fuck her drink i want a budweiser right now give me a fucking budweiser right now they're right next to each other yeah i i smile at both of them and uh i basically turn and start making her drink and while i'm making her drink with one hand i'm reaching underneath the the bar and like like slamming the uh the top down so it flips the cap on the bottle and basically bring them both at the same time and you see, she kind of looks at him and then she looks at you and she kind of smiles at you and she leans over the bar while you, you're putting the drinks down and you see she plants a kiss on your cheek and she just kind of winks at you and turns around and walks off. And you see the guy look, looking at her, he looks at you and he just shakes his fucking head and he grabs a beer and he walks off. Yeah, I kind of give him one of those, hey, what are you going to do looks um, as he's looking at me. Linda, you are walking back from the bathroom. You are so over being out with your friend. She is literally trying to hit on every single fucking dude. And whatever guy has a friend, of course, you got to sit there and do the awkward. Yeah, I'm her friend and you're his friend. And she's not really showing any kind of tact when it comes to this. You're walking back to this booth, though, and you see her. She's with this figure. And you see there's a moment where like, you feel uncomfortable because they look like they're kind of like making out hot and heavy. And you see her turn and look at you and you see this figure and you're like, what the fuck, Sarah? This, you're, like, you're thinking in your head, like, this is a kid. This is like literally a teenager right here. And you see this Hispanic guy and he has his long black hair behind him with the gray suit jacket on and the open, he kind of looks at you and he smirks for a second. What are you going to do when he does that? I'm a little taken aback simply because... It makes sense that his attention would be on her. And then all of a sudden he's looking at me and it's get a shiver down my spine. And I just, I kind of stand there because usually Sarah has been like, yeah, come be my wingman, wing woman, come stand next to me. But with how things are going, she's just not really sure how to proceed. He looks at you and he kind of motions like, you want to join us? It takes a little bit, but as soon as I register what that gesture is, uh, I'm I'm going to go to the bar. I'll see you in a little bit, Sarah. And she, you notice that as soon as you like give indication, like the words start coming out of your mouth, she just turns back to him and they, she starts kissing his neck and you see he's just looking at you as you walk to the bar and you can like almost feel his, his gaze as he follows along. Charlie and Jenny, would it be a wild guess for me to think that you guys are probably doing cocaine together at one point or another during this evening or sharing in the drugs you have? Possibly. Yeah, I'm going to say since it's her first time doing coke and Charlie seems like an experienced gentleman, she's going to ask him for some tips and then they're going to do a couple bumps. So you guys are in the corner of this club, like in this, like the, like a corner booth where it's not really getting much attention. There's actually like a pool table by there that no one uses. 
you know, it has like the balls and you put the quarters in to release it. You can see the balls along the line. You're actually just did a huge line of Coke, Jenny. And you're staring at these balls. And you're kind of like trying to figure out, is it going stripe, solid, stripe? Is it solid, solid, stripe? Is it stripe, stripe, solid, solid, stripe? And you're sitting there looking at it. It's like this mixture of like the drugs you probably took earlier in this cocaine as your mind is trying to race. And as you're counting those balls, you see something getting your way of the, of the rack of like this clear plastic that's on this pool table. And it looks like black lace. And as your eyes go up, you see this figure. She's staring right at you. Looks to be 17 years old, has this long black hair. looks to be Latina, but she seems to be somewhat paler. She's wearing a black lace skirt with a black top to it. It almost seems like it's one piece, but there's a big chunky belt that has these silver loops that are around it. And she's wearing like these little mini cowboy boots with it. And she's staring right at you too. And there's this uncomfortable moment where you guys did this huge line and you guys are like, noses are starting to water a little bit and your eyes are watering and you look and you see this figure and she just kind of smiles at both of you. She's like, hello. Look, uh, uh, we don't have any drugs uh, anymore. So fuck off. And there's a moment where you see like her eyes stare into you and then she looks at Jenny and she, there's a moment where you're looking at her, Jane. You can see like she's her face is showing no emotions she's just looking at you and then she just smiles at both you and turns around and walks off and jenny you're watching this figure as she walks into the towards the dance floor and you see her go down some steps at lead because you find out throughout the night there's four entrances to the dance floor where steps go down and there's a moment right now where you're kind of seeing like it's to- kind of getting towards the end of the night like you guys doing cocaine was like just like time went by like a snap of her fingers but you're seeing like the dance floor isn't as busy as it was like a couple hours ago and you see when this figure she walks out there she starts slowly moving her body to this song by the cure called lullaby which is normally like a slower song it's not like a song that usually gets people out there dancing sometimes these people will play these songs i mean you don't know jenny from up and down but you know this jake you can kind of even start naming these songs as they happen And you see as you're at the bar, Jake, and you all four, five of you start noticing this from your own way. If it's a coke haze, if it's someone who's sitting there with their friends, tired of playing pompous and trying to be the center of attention, who's wondering where that one man was, boy, whatever it was that caught her attention, or the person at the bar who feels lonely right now, who's missing her husband and realizing that her friend is not even thinking about her anymore. And you guys are all standing at these each individual moments and you see this figure, this woman, this girl. Who knows? Walking down on this dance floor. Actually, she slowly starts dancing to this song. And this song is, the way she danced to this song isn't the way that you see these kids move. Where these kids move almost with like a robotic sense of non-rhythm when they dance. She moves her body to a way, to a culture that's used to finding a rhythm with different instruments. But you see with this music, she has found a way to take whatever these moves are from whatever land they came from, from whatever culture that she learned them. And she applied them to this song. And you're entranced. And you start slowly seeing people move towards the dance floor to dance. You see, Abigail, these scenesters who you're talking to stop talking in mid sentence and they look and you're looking with them and they move towards the dance floor to dance. What do you do? I came to a dance club, didn't I? Yeah. I'm here to dance. So I'll follow and dance. And it's so funny because something that struck you as odd, you found that your mind automatically accepted what was happening and you went with it. Linda, you're standing at this bar and you're kind of like thinking like, fuck, I got to work. 
on Monday? Is my ex going to get with me? Do I have to get my shit? Is she still with that guy? When is it like rude not to like interrupt or when is it rude to interrupt and be like, can we go? And you start noticing this woman dancing and you see, you feel this urge and you find your body moving against your will almost like you want to go out there and dance and you have not danced a single time that night, but it's not, it's not even like a dancing that you want to do. You want to be closer to witness what you are seeing and Charlie and Jenny in your Coke haze sitting there, noses running. You guys find yourself being magnetized towards this dance floor. And Jake, you are starting to feel this too. Like you want to be closer now because you're seeing people are starting to go up and see this woman dance. What do you do, Jake? I mean, I'm behind the bar, but I kind of look to the new guy and say, hey, take care of things around here. Not sure, not even sure if he heard me or not. I kind of like uh, pick up the like rum and coke that I've been nursing the entire night, throw it back because like I need to stay awake for this. This is something important. I, I just kind of feel it. I kind of just like kind of walk Mock walk my way towards the floor and just kind of swaying a little bit. And when you find yourself walking, you notice the guys, he doesn't even respond to you fully. You just see he's fully entranced, like watching. There's no one even trying to get drinks at this moment. And you all are on the dance floor and you have people all surrounding you. There's a lot of people on this floor, but they seem to be like horseshoed around her as she's dancing. They're kind of moving a little bit, but they're not moving with the intensity that she's moving. And it almost feels like while you're dancing that you feel her eyes are directly on you. You swear, like she's got, she's got to be looking at me right now. And there's a moment where you start thinking, oh shit, is she walking up to me? And you find that each and every single one of you, she walks up to and dances a little bit with, like she wants you to move with her even if it's stumbling like i don't know what i'm doing and you just try to move to the best of your ability you see that she has a smile on her lips when when you're trying and she kisses you on your cheek each four of you and you could feel like the remnants of her lipstick that thick red lipstick that she had on her lips is left on there and soon you forget about the world around you and it's just you and her like the moment she leaves you you feel the sadness but you're just following her as she goes to these other people hoping that she may turn and look at you again and come back to you I need you all to roll me uh, perception and alertness, please. Difficulty seven. That's two successes for Charlie. Awesome. Got one success for Jake. Okay. Two successes for Abigail. I have zero successes. I have no successes. All right. So the two people who had two successes, Abigail and Charlie, I believe, right? Okay. So Abigail, you're like getting into this moment. And you're like, oh, fuck, where is that? And you start thinking about the other one who kind of entrenched you, right? And you're like, you slowly start looking around and you're like, wait, where are all these fucking people? You start, don't, you don't feel so enclosed. You don't like people like enclosing you. You're so used to creepoids, like trying to like get close to your personal space and evade your personal space. And you're not, you're, you're not feeling that for a little bit. You're like, what? And you kind of like start looking behind you and you slowly see behind you like, what? And you're trying to make out because the light from the dance floor and the bar is kind of like in your eyes and you're kind of like the spotlight in a weird way. And you look and you don't see the shapes of people behind you anymore. And you like naturally are inclined to look down at the ground and you see squirming things on the ground and there's a moment where you look and you see one of your friends is on the ground and their lifeless eyes are staring up at you and you see there's this huge gash in their throat and like there's this dark liquid that seems to be coming up from underneath them and there's a slow realization as you're like looking around and you find yourself backing up a little bit and your high heels like break one of them break and you find your foot slip and you fall hard on your tailbone and hit the back of your head and there's a moment where you're staring up at the rafters of this dance club and you see that there's figures in the rafters and they're kind of snickering and laughing and you start seeing them slowly like dropping down almost as in your concussed mind it looks like raindrops of terror 
that are coming from the ceiling. Charlie, you are standing there for a second and you're like, start realizing the Coke is wearing off a little bit. And you look around you and you see like, wait, this isn't fucking all right. And you turn around for a second and you see this figure standing at the opposite end of the dance floor. And he's this teenage boy that I described in the suit jacket, but you see he's wearing these dark jeans under his gray suit jacket. And you see him just snicker for a second. And behind you, you hear a whistling and you go, you hear whistling. It's like, Hey asshole. And you turn around and you look and you see this figure in the Ramones jacket, grab you by the side of your head and just head butts you with his forehead as you lose consciousness. Linda, you are sitting there slowly, like realizing like something's not right. You kind of feel dizzy a little bit. Like, like you almost feel like, man, did someone put something in my drink? And you turn around and look and you see that there's this figure and you, before you even know it, you get hit in the face with something and you find yourself crumpling. Jenny, you're, you're hyper acute right now. You're like, Oh, I want to dance. I want to dance. You feel that athleticism in you. And you're starting like, you're still kind of moving. You're standing there in place and you just find your body like jerking and moving and jerking and moving and jerking and moving. And slowly you see this figure come up, walking in front of you, this female that you saw, and she's looking at you and you're moving and you can't stop moving. And she's just looking up at you. Cause even though you're five, four, you're still taller than her. She's about five, one or five, two. And there's a moment where you're like looking and moving and looking and moving. Boom. You're out as you feel a sharp pain crack you upside the back of your head. Jake, you're standing there for a second. And as you were trying to get on this dance floor, you were so focused on her, even though you're behind most of the people, you didn't realize that all these people were dropping in front of you. And then you snap out of it and you see it. And before you lies about 40 or 50 people slumped over, dead, barely moving. And you see that there's figures walking amongst them. And now the lights have gone out. The spotlight, you hear it like it shut down and you hear the music stop. And you see all these figures as they're like moving around these bodies. Some are crouched over. You see some are made, look like they're making movements, like they might be stabbing something. You see them all stop at once. And you see they all turn around. They look at you. There's about 10 of them. And you feel this fear rise up in your stomach. And you turn instinctually to run. And as you turn and you run, you start going towards what you know is the exit. And there's a second, you're like, I might make it. I might make it. You're down this hallway. And you know there's a fire exit out there. And you know if you just push that metal clacking bar that will open that door. You'll get out there and you'll get into the New York City night. No one's going to do anything to you because there's going to be people out in the block and they're going to see you and these monsters aren't going to follow you. As you turn one last time to look, you see one of them is already behind you. And there's a moment where you're trying to make out what he, what he looks like and you just feel his hand shoot out to your neck and you feel your head crack alongside the wall that's next to that door and you're out. If you're enjoying Vampire the Masquerade, Twin Cities by Night Sorrow, and are looking for more Sabbat stories, you can check out our Vampire the Masquerade story, Wars on Fire, which tells the tale of the Pale Riders Pack and takes place on the border of Texas and Mexico. We hope you enjoy.